This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome in, everybody. Yeah. Episode 415 yeah. of the podcast. Oh, it's so America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, August 5th, 2021. Or maybe it's... Wednesday, August 4th, I don't know when I'm going to drop this episode because insanity is ensuing in the streets of the Aratora Sports Podcast as I, 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 I did the show, okay? I, I started recording a little bit early. I said, what could possibly happen at 6 or 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night in August? So I am going to go ahead and record the podcast a little bit early. Did a nice little segment on all of this crazy college football realignment news. Uh, you know, uh, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Kansas, all that stuff. And then... I log on to social media, and I see that Imani Bates, widely regarded as one of the best high school players of the last decade or so, has announced that he is going to reclassify into the high school class of 2021, could potentially play college basketball this coming season. This is different than Jalen Duran, the other great player in the class of 2022, who could play college basketball next season as well. So we are going to talk about Imani Bates. We are going to talk about this crazy decision. And we're going to talk about how maybe it could impact Jalen Duran, who is going to make his commitment and his decision here in the coming days on Friday. From there, we'll take a quick break. We will then transition to the segment that I just discussed as I kind of talk about just the craziness in college football right now. There's all these rumors about, you know, is Clemson and Florida State interested in the SEC? Is Miami interested in the Big Ten? Is Kansas interested in the Big Ten? I'll explain to you why I think all these rumors are fascinating and why it really is kind of a sneak peek into what the future of college athletics looks like and the uncertainty of what college athletics is going to look like. But like I said, let's get into the topic of the day um, and just an absolutely fascinating story as, as I said, Amani Bates, a kid that some believe at certain points in his high school career was as good as any high school player they have ever seen dating back to LeBron James. He has decided to reclassify to move up a year he will not play high school basketball next year and the possibility exists that he could play college basketball in 2021 according to a tweet and a report from Jeff Goodman uh, Amani Bates is down to four finalists as he has three college options Michigan State Memphis and Oregon and he is also considering the G League as a pro 
pathway. Now, a couple things before we get into all the nuance of it. The first thing I would say, I think we can eliminate a couple of those uh, choices right off the top. I don't believe he is going to go to Michigan State. And for people who don't know the backstory, Amani Bates, again, really elite player. He is from the state of Michigan. And it was actually about a year and a half ago, maybe 16 months ago, I think it was last April, May, June, sometime during the pandemic, he actually committed to Michigan State. He has since decommitted, and my understanding is I don't even know if Michigan State is still actively recruiting Amani Bates to play college basketball at Michigan State. I think they kind of moved on. I think they kind of understand he's probably not going to play college basketball, and if they do, I don't even know if they necessarily want him for next year as talented as he may be. It's worth noting they actually have a kid in this 2021 high school class named Jaden Atkins who played high school basketball at with Amani Bates last year at a school that Amani Bates' dad started. And the kid quit, and the reason he quit was because he didn't get along with Amani Bates. Not saying that Tom Izzo is going to pass up on a transcendent talent, um, but I, I, I just, it, to me, as good as Michigan State is, I don't think they're a real player. Now, I could be 100% wrong. Don't think they're a real player, though. I think we can also eliminate Oregon right off the top. I'm just going to tell you, again, could be completely wrong. I'm reacting in real time. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things can change. I just don't see Oregon being the school. Doesn't make sense. I know they're a big Nike school. I know they have Nike money. I know we live in a name image likeness world. I just can't imagine one of the most marketable and potentially transcendent high school basketball players of the last couple decades playing college basketball for a year or two at Oregon. Now, before we get to the other two choices, Memphis or the G League, it's worth noting what I just said. I said a year or two of college basketball. Now, some of you are probably sitting there saying, Torres, what are you talking about? If this kid is as good as you think that he is, as good as everybody says he is, there is no way he is going to play college basketball for two years. Except there's one problem, and there's one circumstance, and there's one situation that everybody needs to understand. Imani Bates is not eligible for next year's NBA draft. If you remember, I've talked about it all throughout the spring. I've talked about it with Jalen Duran, the other elite player in the class of 2022 that is going to reclassify. Jalen Duran is going to reclassify because right now he only meets one of two criteria as it pertains to being eligible for next year's NBA draft. To be eligible for the NBA draft, your high school class has to be one year removed from high school. You, you have to be one year removed from your high school graduation. And you also have to turn 19 years old in the year of the NBA draft. And so when you look at Jalen Duran, Jalen Duran is going to be 18 years old this year, 2021. He will be 19 years old next year in 2022, which means that he has to graduate this year to make sure that he is eligible for next year's NBA draft. If he plays high school basketball this coming season, it just pushes back his draft clock another year because, again, you have to be one year removed from high school basketball. And so when you look at all the players through the years who have reclassified into college basketball, all of them have done so because they are a year older going into their senior year. Marvin Bagley was a year older going into his senior year. Uh, Anthony Edwards was a year older going into his senior year. Nico Mannion, Jalen Duran, who is about to make that announcement and decision this week. They would all be 
18 years old, 19 years old during their senior year of high school, which means they're pushing back their draft clock. And by moving up a year, moving up their high school graduation, it makes them one step closer to being NBA draft eligible. And then after one year of playing college basketball, they can go ahead and enter the NBA draft. What makes Imani Bates different is this. He's 17 years old right now. He will not be 18 until January of 2022, about six months from now. So because he will not be eligible for the, because he will not be uh, 18 years old until 2022, it means that it doesn't matter when he graduates high school, he is not going to be eligible for the 2022 NBA draft. And so if you listen to Monday's episode, I kind of just threw it out there. I said, I don't really understand why Imani Bates would re- I-, I talked about the possibility, this rumor that Imani Bates would reclassify, and I said, I don't really understand it. Because unless he knows that the NBA draft is going to change its rules and allow 18-year-olds to enter, it doesn't make sense for him to reclassify and move up a year to play either college basketball or professional basketball because even if he moves up and graduates high school, he is still going to be two full years removed from being eligible for the NBA draft. Unless the NBA draft changes its rules, he will not be eligible for the uh, for the NBA draft until 2023, even though Jalen Duran, who is in a similar situation, will be eligible for 2022. I hope all that makes sense, but it explains why this is an unprecedented move because for the third time, Unless the NBA changes its draft rules, he is still two years removed away from high school basketball or from the NBA. That's why I thought he'd play high school basketball this year, play one year, whether it was in the G League, overseas or in college in 2022-23, and then go to the 2023 NBA draft. Instead, according to all reports, and Jeff Goodman's not going to put it out there if it's not true, Amani Bates is reclassifying. He's going to graduate this summer and he is going to do one of two things next year either play college basketball or go to the pros. And so in terms of what his possibilities are, as I said, he's down to four. Michigan State, Oregon, Memphis, and the G League. I don't believe that Oregon is really a factor. I don't even know if Michigan State is definitively still recruiting Imani Bates. And so that leaves two places, the G League or Memphis. The first one, which is probably the more obvious one, is the G League. Amani Bates is a kid that for years has, it's never been thought that Amani Bates was going to play college basketball, dating back to when he was a freshman in high school. At the time, we thought they might change the NBA draft rules. We thought that he might be eligible to go straight out of high school. But basically, as long as Amani Bates has been on the scene as a high school basketball player, it has been kind of assumed that he would not play college basketball. It makes sense also that he would consider the G League. This is a kid that, as I've said a few times, and I've talked about him on this show before, he is a kid that many people believed at one point in his high school career to be maybe the best high school player since LeBron. While he certainly hasn't regressed necessarily over the last two or three years, he has not progressed to the point that people believe definitively that he is the best player in high school basketball, let alone, he's not even the best player in high school basketball right now, let alone the best player potentially since LeBron. And so because of it, going to the G League makes sense. His development has stagnated. He hasn't been as good. He's been playing for his dad. He hasn't been pushing himself. All of the things that would make a player kind of his progression stagnate, all of those things happen. We'll go to the the G League, get professional training 24 hours a day, year round, 
you play against pros, and it's going to better prepare you for the NBA. And now you have two years there to prepare for an NBA future. I think that's definitely in play. Jason Hart, as I said, former USC assistant coach is now there. Jason Hart played in the NBA for 10 years. Jason Hart is a great talent developer. And if Imani Bates makes that decision, I would not be shocked. At the same time, though, there is also a fascinating, fascinating alternative that could be at play as well. Could it be that Imani Bates is considering reclassifying, playing at Memphis where he could potentially team up with Jalen Duran. That's right. The top two high school players in the class of 2022 were supposed to be seniors next year. Both of them move up to play college basketball next season. Now, what I would say is I am not saying it's going to happen. I haven't heard definitively from anybody that it is something that is definitively in the cards. But what I am going to tell you, though, it has been a rumor that has been out there for two, three, four weeks now. And I even talked about it a little bit on last episode on Monday. I talked about the idea that I didn't really understand why Amani Bates would do that because he had two years removed from the NBA draft. But it has been a rumor. And if you look at the timing of everything, it all is fascinating, right? Jalen Duran earlier this week announces he is going to make his final decision for the 2021-2022 season in the upcoming week. He will make his decision on Friday. He is choosing between Memphis, Miami, Kentucky, G League, and the NBL overseas in Australia. And I've gone over all the situation. Miami has kind of the family ties. Kentucky has the pathway to the pros. Memphis has kind of this hybrid, uh, we're kind of junior NBA where we have Larry Brown on our staff now. So I've gone through all of it. But it is interesting that there was a rumor that Amani Bates would reclassify to play with Jalen Duran. All a rumor. Then Jalen Duran announces his decision date. Then Imani Bates announces he's going to reclassify all within the same couple days. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. But what I am saying is the timing sure is interesting. And if that does happen, and by the way, again, they both have really good options. Jalen Duran could choose Miami because of the possibility that he, you know, he has the, the, the family ties there with, with his former AAU and high school coach that's now coaching at Miami. He could choose the G League. He could choose whatever. Abani Bates could choose to go play professionally. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Not saying it's definitive. All I am saying is, can you imagine if this happened? Listen, I, I, I know I do hyperbole a lot, and I know I yell and scream, and I know I'm high energy, and I drive, you probably drive half of you crazy. I know Rachel hates my voice. I know that much. But can you imagine the story of college basketball next season with the number one and number two high school basketball players, two of the elite players to play high school basketball in the last decade, both reclassifying, both going to Memphis, both, by the way, doing it in August, but both doing it, both going to Memphis. I mean, you talk about a mega, mega college basketball story. I mean, this is, this. I can't even think of what would be parallel to this. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I assume that they will be the number one and number two players in the class of 2021 now. Now, you could make the case for Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga, Paolo Bancaro, whatever, but I only bring it up because have we ever, well, first of all, I know we haven't ever seen two players this late in the process both go down a grade, play college basketball the next year, let alone do it on the same team. Anthony Edwards decided to reclassify a year out. Carl Anthony Towns, a year out. Um, you know, Marvin Bagley did it in the middle of the summer and he went to Duke. But two players of this caliber, this would be the biggest story in sports. And obviously it'd be a big boon for college basketball. 
with the way we cover high school basketball, the NBA, and the NBA draft, I guarantee you this would be one of the biggest stories in basketball. Forget the NBA. Yes, LeBron, Carmelo, all those guys with the Lakers, the Nets, the this, the that. This story would be on parallel with everything because you have two potential future number one and number two overall picks or in theory, potentially two back-to-back number one overall picks on the same team at the same time. It is crazy to think about. I would say it'd also be a huge win for college basketball in general just for both of these guys to, again, say no to all these professional opportunities, overseas money, G League money, this and that. It would be monstrous. And of course, if it does happen, we would have to give a shout out to Penny Hardaway. I know Memphis fans think that I hate Penny Hardaway. I actually respect the heck out of him. The one thing I can definitively tell you, he is a very aggressive recruiter, um, you know, uh, you know, more so than most and, uh, you know, more than most college coaches, this guy is on face, you know, as much as I guess ruled aloud by the NCAA, this guy's on FaceTime, this guy's texting, this guy's calling, this guy is an aggressive recruiter. And if this happens, I mean, it would, I, I don't know what it would mean, but it would completely change the narrative of Penny Hardaway, who, as I've told you the last couple episodes, for two years has been selling Memphis as this pathway for college, ba- for elite high school basketball players to come play college basketball couple more thoughts. I think it's worth noting. Again, this is all speculation on my part. I am just putting two and two together. We will find out very quickly where Jalen Duran's going. Could go to the G League. Could go to Miami. But all of his crystal balls recently have been with Memphis. And if, if he commits, then it will be Amani Bates' watch. It's also worth considering something else. I thought Amani Bates made a very interesting comment to Jeff Goodman. I'm going to try to pull it up here in real time. Um, because Jeff Goodman, uh, you know, again, proposed the possibility of like, wait a second now, you still have two years before college before you can leave to go to the NBA draft. And this is what Amani Bates told Jeff Goodman. He said he will take this year by year and reevaluate after this season wherever he goes. But there is a chance that if he goes to college, he'll be there for two years. Why is that important? It's because if Amani Bates cares about, first of all, if he cares about playing with Jalen Dern, um, and he cares about his development, Amani Bates, the world is his oyster right now. I guess that's the best way to put it. If he wants to go to the G League for two years, he's going to be a millionaire for two years. He's going to be a millionaire at 17. He's going to take care of his parents, and hopefully, in theory, he is going to develop into a future NBA player under the tutelage of that G League Ignite staff. But if he decides to go to college, he has two years. So the possibility exists Jalen Duran can leave after the NBA draft this year. And so the possibility exists you go to Memphis, you ball out for a season with Jalen Duran, you try to win a national championship. Won't be easy. Penny Hardaway's never been coached in the NCAA tournament. Not a dig at Penny Hardaway. I'm just stating facts. Go to Memphis. Go, go with Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran goes pro. Then you go to the G League for a year. You go train, you go get paid, you go get, take care of, you get, get, get taken care of, you work with professionals every day, and you have that year of college basketball to continue to build the brand. I would also say, it's kind of also worth noting, um, you know, I think he'd put a little bit of a spotlight on this one-and-done rule, where you have this elite high school player, he's going to get to college, and most people are going to be scratching their heads. If you don't listen to the Aaron Torres podcast, people are going to be scratching their heads saying, so he went to college for a year and he's still not eligible for the draft? I don't understand how this works. Maybe the rules get changed. Maybe things get altered. Maybe they make an exception for him. I don't know. But all I'm saying is this is a fascinating story. 
We will start to get details in the coming days as Jalen Duran is ready to make his college commitment. All the college buzz has been with Memphis over the last few days, but if he ends up going to Memphis, then all of a sudden it becomes Amani Bates watch, and if Amani Bates and Jalen Duran go to Memphis in the same year, watch out. This isn't just going to be the biggest story in college basketball. This is going to be one of the biggest stories, I think, in sports. And oh, by the way, it'll just be great in general for college basketball because I think there's already a lot of great teams in college basketball next year. When you look at Gonzaga, when you look at UCLA, when you look at Kentucky, when you look at Texas, when you look at, I think Alabama's going to be really good, Arkansas is going to be really good. There's a lot of really good teams. Villanova, by the way. Villanova, UCLA are playing. So I'm just saying, I'm fired up. Um, but we will see. We will watch. We are now officially on Amani Bates' watch, and we will stay tuned as, first of all, we will get a commitment from Jalen Duran, then we will get a commitment from Amani Bates, and we'll see what happens. And for the last time, I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to get Amani Bates and Jalen Duran at Memphis. They have their own decisions to make. Jalen Duran was coy when he was asked about it by Joe Tipton of On3 Sports. But if it happens, boy, oh boy, oh boy, what a story that would be. All right, what I want to do now, I do want to go ahead and take a quick break. Um... There was a lot of realignment conversation in college football this week. Texas, or excuse me, Texas, Oklahoma really led the charge, obviously, the last couple weeks. But after that, we saw this report about Florida State Clemson from my buddy Mark Ryan, who actually covers Clemson. We saw Miami potentially interested in the Big Ten. We saw Kansas interested in the Big Ten. So what I want to do now is come back, take a quick break. When I come back, I want to talk about those rumors. But more importantly, I want to talk about why I not only believe them, but why college sports is changing in front of our eyes. And you got to be prepared for it. All right, everybody, I am back. Uh, Very good to be back. And it's interesting, right? So as I told you off the top, I was planning on starting the show with all of these crazy college football realignment rumors. And the reason being, it's actually pretty simple. It's because, you know, when the Texas-Oklahoma news happened, I told you it was going to be monumental. And now we are starting to see the trickle-down effect of all of these reports of all of these different schools trying to find homes and places for their college football programs. We're trying to figure out what's truth, what's fact, what's fiction, but we saw this week that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are potentially trying to uh, align. We saw a report that Florida State and Clemson are trying to get together and go to the SEC or at least reached out to them. We saw a report that Miami, of all schools, has reached out to the Big Ten. We saw that Kansas has reached out to the Big Ten. And what this signals to me, it's not about each individual story, but it's about where college sports is going. And to me, this is a huge 30,000-foot view type story. And so let's get into it and what all the ramifications are, why you don't need to worry about what individual story is true and not true, but instead what the individual ramifications are and what they mean for college sports as a whole. And again, this isn't a one singular topic type deal. Instead, it is really just multiple topics all under one umbrella that all kind of fit the same thing. And what I want to do is take those puzzle pieces and fit them together for you and explain why they all make sense. And that topic, which is multiple topics, is all of the crazy realignment stories that have happened over the last couple days. Every day you log on to social media, every day you log on to ESPN.com, every day you watch SportsCenter, you see a new rumor, and it's hard to figure out what's true and what's not. On Monday, 
we had Florida State and Clemson reaching out to the SEC. On Tuesday, we saw this report that the Pac-12 and Big 12 are meeting. Could they merge? Could they stay as they are? Who knows? Stay tuned. Could be anything. Wednesday, we saw, well, actually Tuesday, let's go back to Tuesday, I saw a report that Kansas believes that they are in good position with the Big Ten, a story that I'm not sure that I believe. Uh, on Wednesday, you see a crazy report that Miami, yes, the U, has reached out to the Big Ten to see if the Big Ten would be interested in taking Miami. That's right, baby. Who's ready for Purdue, Miami on a Saturday night at the, uh, not the Orange Bowl, Hard Rock, uh, Hard Rock Stadium? Who's ready? The U. Nothing says swag like going to West Lafayette on a Saturday in November. But as I look at all these rumors, what I think is important to note is a few things. You know that as soon as those rumors come out, uh, you know, people in the media, they want to get on their high horse. They want to tell you how important they are, how plugged in they are, all that stuff. And I thought it was interesting that the second that some of these reports came out, some of the national media, they did the thing of, that's not true. There's no way that could be true. Well, what I tell you is a few things. One, I believe to a degree all of these rumors are true, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. Two, I actually believe none of it matters whether it's true or not because the symbolism is so much bigger than what this national media is giving it credit for, and this is so much bigger than what what I think most people realize. And three, I would just tell you, on top of the fact that I believe these rumors, but it doesn't really matter if I believe them, if you don't like it, be warned, it's not slowing down anytime soon. Because when I look at the landscape of college sports, as I've told you for two or three weeks now, Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC has changed everything, okay? Everything that we thought we knew about the next four, five, six, 10, 15, 20 years of college sports has been completely blown up by Texas and Oklahoma deciding to leave for the SEC. We thought name, image, likeness was big, nothing compared to this. We thought uh, uh, the one-time transfer rule was big. A, a guard transferring from McNeese State to Arkansas. Sorry, not as big as Texas and Oklahoma. Because what Texas and Oklahoma did is what I just said a minute ago. It rewrites everything that we thought we knew about the future of college sports. We thought there was going to be five Power Five conferences. We thought that there was going to be the group of five that would have access to this 12-team playoff and everything would be great. Now with this move, everything is completely blown up. With this move, I truly believe that we only know two things definitively, definitively going forward in both the long and the short term. In the short term, I believe that I know that Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC some point soon. Maybe not this season, maybe not 2022. Well, certainly not this season, but maybe 2022, maybe 2025, maybe somewhere in between. But one thing that I know, Texas and Oklahoma at some point are going to be in the SEC. And when they get there, it'll be the best conference in college football. I think everybody knows that. The other thing, the only thing that I know about the next 10, 12, 15 years of college football and college athletics is this. The schools that currently make up the SEC, and I include Texas and Oklahoma in that group because they'll get there eventually, and the schools in the Big Ten, those are the only schools that feel 100% safe right now about their future in college athletics. Everybody else is completely scrambling to try and figure out what their future is in the landscape of college sports, right? If you're the Pac-12, you're nervous someone's going to take your teams. That's why you're talking to the Big 12. The Big 12, you're nervous that somebody's going to start picking off each of these individual teams or, oh, by the way, that ESPN is going to help place those teams. If you're the ACC, 
you're kind of this weird conference. You kind of have Notre Dame, but you kind of don't. You kind of have some basketball schools, but you kind of have some football schools. You don't know what the heck the future lies. You don't know how you fit into it. Uh, certainly the group of five schools don't. Certainly the mid-majors and, and low-majors in college basketball don't. And so I bring it up because when I look at these rumors, yes, I believe that they're true because everybody is scrambling and everyone is trying to figure out what that next step looks like in college sports. Everybody is trying to figure it out. Think about all of the different ways that college sports could or could not potentially change over the next couple years, and then think about how this week's rumors play into that. You have to understand that this Texas and, or this Clemson and Florida State stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. It is happening for a reason. Calls like this, I believe, are being made because we don't know what the future of college sports looks like. We could have everything, basically anything you can imagine is not out of the question. It could be as simple as the SEC getting to 16 and saying, you know what, we're good. We're going to hang. We got our 16. We're going to put four or five teams in whatever the future of the playoff looks like. We're fine. We're going to stay there. It could be the SEC saying, hey, we're not done. We want to get into the Carolinas. We want to get into Virginia. We want to swipe Clemson. We want to get Florida State. They could go to 20, 24, whatever. I don't think that's off the table. The Big Ten, are they going to go to 16 as they have a new TV contract coming up? What happens to the Big 12? Do they merge with the Pac-12? Does the Pac-12 want them? What if nobody wants them? Can they just stay as an eight-team entity? Are they going to try to take other schools like a Houston, like a, a, a Memphis, like a BYU, like a Boise State? Beyond that, we could just ultimately end up at some point with 16-team super conferences. We've talked about that for years. You know what else we've talked about? We've talked about the possibility of the top 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 schools completely breaking off from the NCAA and completely doing their own thing. And so you're probably like, dude, Torres, you're all over the place today, in which I am. But, but I bring it back to the rumors of this week. Because when I saw the Clemson, Florida State stuff, did I believe that Clemson and Florida State made that phone call? I did. And you know why? It's because Clemson and Florida State are like everybody else. Clemson and Florida State right now are no different than Kansas State and Oklahoma State. I don't care how many national championships Dabo Sweeney has won. Clemson wants to make sure that whatever the future of college sports looks like, hey, we got to make sure we have a seat at the table. Now, I, I think Clemson will because they're Clemson because they win national championships all the time. But I believe that phone call was made because Clemson's trying to figure out how do we all fit into this? And so when I saw that report, first of all, the guy who made it, Mark Ryan, he's a good friend of mine. That's irrelevant to the topic. But Mark Ryan covers Clemson. He does pre and post game on radio. He has connections in the athletic department. When I saw that story, not only do I trust the source, but the, the timing and the logic makes sense because, again, everyone is trying to make sure that when college athletics, when this crazy game of musical chairs ends down the road, that they ultimately have a seat at the table. And so that's why I believe it. I'll take it a step further. Not only do I believe that it happened, not only do I believe that Clemson and Florida State did in fact call the SEC, I think those school presidents and ADs would be doing their fan bases a disservice if they didn't call the SEC. And again, I understand that, you know, in this perfect, you know, uh, uh, utopia that we've created in our minds, all these schools stick together and everybody watches out for everybody else, but we've seen that's how this doesn't work. Realignment is about stabbing people in the back. Greg Sankey stabbed Bob Bowlesby in the back while they were planning the 12-team playoff. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was, was, was recruiting you know, Bob Bowlesby's two best teams. 
I was talking to somebody on the phone. I, I'm not even going to get into the analogy, but you could probably figure out when you steal somebody else's something else, you know what the analogy is. But Greg Sankey stabbed him in the back. Oklahoma stabbed Oklahoma State in the back. I'll take it a step further. The SEC stabbed Texas A&M in the back, keeping them out of the, the conversations because they didn't want Texas A&M to screw it up. Texas screwed over TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, the entire Big 12. Everybody's screwing over everybody else. And so when I see this Clemson-Florida State report, or I see this Miami report, or I see this Kansas report, I sit there and say, yeah, those phone calls were made, because you have to. You can't worry about, if you're Clemson, you can't worry about the 14 other teams in the ACC. You have to worry about what's best for Clemson. Because you know Texas and Oklahoma are worried about what's best for them. You know Greg Sankey's only caring about what the best thing is for his 16 teams. You know Kevin Warren only cares about what's best for the Big Ten. So you got to watch your own back. And so not only do I think the phone call was made, I think they'd be doing a disservice if the phone call wasn't made. Same with Miami, same with Kansas. And by the way, same with a million other phone calls that we don't even know about. Whatever school you like, if your school isn't in the SEC or the Big Ten, I guarantee they're making calls. You're an Oklahoma State fan, you're a UConn fan, you're a Memphis fan, you're an Oregon State fan, you're a UCLA fan. I'm just telling you, your school is making other calls to other people. It's like a big game of telephone. Everyone is trying to figure out what everybody else knows because for the thousandth time, everybody wants to make sure that they have a seat at the table. And the crazy part to me, and we'll wrap on this because I'm going crazy. I'm off the reservation this today. What can I say? Torres is on fire. He's hot. But I bring it up because the crazy part about this to me is this isn't slowing down anytime soon. That's the wild part to me. Like most everything in life, even the most controversial stuff, even as it pertains to college sports, you know when the end date is, right? Like you knew sometime in April, the one-time transfer was going to pass. You could like it, you could not like it, but at one point, eventually it's going to pass and you have to live with it. Name, image, likeness. We knew by July 1 of 2021, players were going to be able to capitalize off name, image, likeness, and we would see what the future held at that point. Same with anything else, right? You, you apply for a job. You know they're either going to fill it or they're not. You know, they're, you know you, the, the, the person who interviews you, interviews you says, you'll hear from me by the end of the week. The crazy part about all of this realignment stuff is there is no end date because of what I just said, what I was just yelling and screaming about a minute ago. There's no end date because nobody knows what the next steps are, and nobody else knows what everybody else is doing. And so, yes, it could just end with Texas and Oklahoma. But what if the Pac-12 and Big 12 merge? Then what happens? What if the Big 10, before its 2024 TV contract, which is the next one that's up, decides we want to go to 16 teams? What happens if they say take Kansas and Iowa State? Then what happens to the rest of the teams in the Big 10 or the Big 12? What happens to any potential affiliation with the Pac-12? What happens if the Pac-12 says, you know what, we're good. We'll schedule with you guys, but we don't need you. What happens if the Big 12 t tries to add teams? What, then what happens to the other smaller conferences? Um, you know, what if, what if nothing happens, and in two years from now or five years from now, Texas and Oklahoma get to the SEC, and the SEC says, you know what, we want to keep expanding. And so that is the crazy part of all of this to me, is that there is no end date and everything that we thought we knew no longer exists. As I said, we thought we had this vision of how college sports was going to play out over the next 10, 12, 15 years, and it just isn't that anymore. And I know there's all this talk about, well, this TV contract and that TV contract and this, that, the other thing. All I'm saying is if we've learned anything, it's that TV contracts can be broken if they need to be broken. I mean, if you had asked anybody six weeks ago about the future of the Big 12, they would have said, future of the Big 12 is bright 
because they got a TV contract for another four years. Now we find out Texas and Oklahoma have been negotiating behind everybody else's back. We know that ESPN is trying to help them get to the SEC and everybody else get to another conference to break that TV contract. And so I'm just bringing it up to just say, like, everything, like, it's just insane to me. Everything that we think we know, we don't know what the future is. We could have super conferences. We could have schools break off from the NCAA. We could have no conferences at all. We could be status quo. And the crazy part is, as much as we think we know, and as much as we as consumers don't know, you know who else doesn't know? A lot of these athletic directors, a lot of these coaches, a lot of these school presidents, and everybody's trying to figure it out. Woo! What an episode of the Aratora Sports Podcast. We started with the present future of Amadi Bates, and now we're just trying to figure out what college sports is going to look like 30 years from now. Talk about going from micro to macro, macro to micro, whatever it is, but... With that said, I do think I am going to get out of here. Uh, So yeah, thank you guys for listening. If you're not already subscribed, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are in fact subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Nothing changing with this show. I told you that last week. I promised you, and I delivered. So make sure you're still subscribed. Make sure uh, to do all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Busy week next week. A couple good guests coming up. Until then. Oh, by the way, depending on what Jalen Duran does, we may do a bonus episode on Friday. That remains to be seen. But for now, let me just say two things. Shout out to Torrin Craig, who just signed with the Indiana Pacers, by the way. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I will be back, maybe Friday with Jalen Duran, maybe next week. Everybody have a great rest of the week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.